Good morning once again to our listeners. It is Monday, September 28th, and this is Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus pandemic in mid-Missouri. You can catch Community Pulse Mondays and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. on KOPN, and all episodes can be found online at kopn.org and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Today on Community Pulse, we are joined by both of our hosts, Dr. Elizabeth Alleman and Ginny Chadwick, to discuss the latest on COVID news in mid-Missouri and beyond. They both join us via phone this morning. Good morning, Dr. Alleman. Good morning, Mallory. And good morning, Ginny. Good morning. Thanks for having us both. Oh, of course. I'm excited to, to hear what you all have, uh, have to talk about today. <laughs> so, sadly, my attempt to communicate last night about what we wanted to talk about was apparently unsuccessful. So thank you so much, Mallory, for being uh, willing to um, uh, be spontaneous this morning. <laughs> no problem. Jenny and I have been talking and pondering and thinking about um, testing in central Missouri. And before I get into that, I just wanted to say one of the reasons, the concerns we have is the small number of tests we're doing. So um, as the world has passed the one million death mark, um, you know, I'm remembering when this started and people said, we, you know, as many as a million people might die in the world. And I thought, oh, certainly not. Um, but we have. So, uh, and in the United States, so that's uh, a million people dying in the world is 129 deaths per million. And the United States, actually, our death rate is 632 deaths per million. Um, so we are um, leading the world in that uh, rate of death per population. Focusing on Missouri, um, using Matthew Holloway's data, uh, we are seeing um, increased cases of between one and 2,000 case, new cases per day statewide, and we are now seeing an increase in death rate. We had been seeing increasing case rates uh, for a long time, and now we're seeing increasing deaths, and in Boone County, we've had our 10th death, so um, uh, uh, yeah. Um, and we are also seeing uh, a, a sort of a, a moderate, I don't know even, I don't want to use these judgment words. So we had uh, 40 new cases yesterday on the 27th, and um, that Sundays are always a low day, uh, mm-hmm. 60 cases on um, Saturday this weekend. Um, so it was way down from that um, 221 cases uh, on the second Saturday after the students had, uh, the college students had returned, but still way above what we saw all through the summer and um, into the uh, beginning of August. Um, and uh, well above, you know, so now looking at our Columbia Public Schools, their 14-day rate, so the Columbia Public Schools is using their own calculated uh, number, and that number needs to be below 50 per day for the, the Columbia Public Schools to implement a program of uh, move from full virtual to a hybrid model where students will be in their seats two days a week. Um, and uh, they've been below 50 cases since the 22nd. So we've had six days of below the 20, the, the 50 cases per 100,000 people over 14-day average using just the zip codes where the Columbia Public Schools. Um, 
agencies. And then the other thing is I'm often watching the RT number, which has to do with the rate of uh, transmission. And Missouri was, we were right there at that one number uh, last week, and now we're at 1.1. So at 1.1 RT, we are going to see um, exponential growth. So I'm wondering, Jenny, when you're looking at the numbers, um, oh, let's see, we also want to talk about the number of tests we're doing, which it's hard to know because the labs are doing their very best to get the positive results out very quickly and then reporting on how many cases, how many tests they did every day, there seems to be a significant lag in that. But the, the reason we want that number is when we put the number of positive cases over the number of total tests, then um, we get our positivity rate, which gives us an idea about whether we're seeing the numbers we're seeing because we're not testing enough people or because, you know, it's related to, oh, wow, are we seeing number, our numbers coming down, daily average new cases, because we're not testing enough people or there's just less community transmission. And our uh, positivity rate is running between 20 and 25%. And uh, the CD, various people recommend it should be less than 5%, and some places are saying that it should be 1% or less. So we are doing you know, somewhere between a quarter and a hundredth of the number of tests we should be doing in central Missouri. And the last couple of times we had community-wide testing uh, offerings where all people had to do was to register. Um, they didn't need a doctor's order, they, and there wasn't any charge we had really low turnout for that. It was, you know, a couple hundred people came rather than um, close to a 1,000 the first time we did that. So I'm wondering what numbers you're looking at, Jenny, and what other perspectives you're having. Yeah. Thanks, Elizabeth. I, I think that you're right. I mean, we're looking at the CPS rate, and it looks like, I think since the 21st, it's been at 49.2. So, um, but, but definitely looking at these testing numbers, and as we've heard, there's been, you know, lag of information, the kerfuffle about the idea that we had a 44% positivity rate, but that was inaccurate. We really had an 8.9% positivity rate, and that's due to the state health department delay in getting the county the data that they need to calculate that positivity rate. So our county has, you know, has stated that we're they're not producing a positivity rate for this week because there is that huge delay in getting all of the tests done. But, you know, when you look across the, the history of this pandemic, Elizabeth, and, and we've heard, at least I, I know I, I've heard, and maybe you can correct me if you've heard anything different, that, you know, we have the capacity to test up to or a little over a thousand people per day in Boone County. And there's only been one day since this pandemic that we topped a thousand people. And, and it's, and that was way back in um, May. And so we, our next highest day of testing was nine three. And if you remember that was during the time that we were having significant positive tests Um, and that we only hit 907 there. So, we typically, and, you know, the numbers are, the data is still coming in. So we, you know, I want to look back at least a week because we know we're not getting all of those positive, the negative tests very quickly. But, you know, we normally average around 200 or less tests per day. Um, you know, there's For been the a couple counting. days that we've hit. 
for the county. Yeah, so within the county, we're we're not testing. You know, I I had this perception, right, that we were testing 500 people a day or so. Um, I know. But, I remember when we had long lines and people had to wait hours to get tested. I just thought that we were doing high numbers of testing. And again, I would have thought we were getting more 500 to 1,000 tests a day with those kinds of lines and wait times. And yeah. and to be clear, those testing sites may be doing um, – they are testing way more people, but we are – statistics are looking at how many of those people actually live in the county. So um, people are coming in from surrounding counties, but I am going to guess based on my experience ordering a lot of tests that, you know, 90% of the tests I order are from people who live in Boone County, or at least the address they give me is a Boone County address. So, um, yeah, I... I um, right, so the, the... And I think that... I don't know why it is that our testing numbers are so low. Um, well, and we know that's concerning, right? In that right. the World Health Organization, I mean, there's different numbers of, you know, what should the positivity rate be? And, you know, World Health Organization says 5%. The White House Coronavirus Task Force says that bars shouldn't be open in the state of Missouri in a community unless the positivity rate is below 3%. And we've never hit below 3%. So if we think about when we opened things back up, um, our positivity rate has been above, uh, well above, um, t- you know, eight percent on the in July. But you know, we, right now, even that last week, we were at seventeen percent. The week before, we were at twenty three percent. And what that means, and that's, I found it very interesting. I was watching the city council meeting um, on Monday, and uh, Pat Fowler asked. Um, Stephanie Browning, the health department director, to explain what a positivity rate means. And so understanding that our elected officials are still not totally clear on what positivity rate means, then our community probably isn't. Elizabeth, so do you want to just take a, t- a moment to explain that yeah. one more time? So positivity rate is our way of sort of asking that question of, well, are we just seeing more cases because we're doing more testing? Like I think that's a that is a question that has gotten to be politically heated, and yet it's a very legitimate question. Why are we seeing increasing or decreasing rates? Is it because of new cases? Is it because we are not finding all the cases because we're doing a better job at case finding? These are legitimate questions whenever we're looking at a change in the frequency of any condition in our public. Um, and so, you know, it's been a question about, like, when we see increasing autism rates, are we just doing a better job of finding autism, or is autism actually increasing in incidence? So that's the same question of when we are seeing increasing or decreasing rates of new COVID cases every day on a daily basis, is that because of a change in testing? And so the statistic that gives my mind an ability to just, like, look at that really quickly is to look at the positivity rate. And the positivity rate is a calculation, and you take the number of positive tests that day divided by the total number of tests that you administered that day. And that gives you a positivity rate. And ideally, we'd be, for every one person who we found had, was positive for COVID, we would have tested 100 people. And when we test more people, we are more likely to catch otherwise hidden infections. And there are lots of people, uh, you know, people I know and, 
you know, interact with in person and through social media who think, well, if you're not sick, why does it matter if you if we find out whether you're infected or not? And that is because when you are infected, you are infectious. That is, you can spread this virus to other people who might become much sicker than you have. So um, I think many people might be hoping that they would get an asymptomatic case of this and then be immune for some period of time and not have had to pay a high price, and I don't disagree with that. But the truth is that nobody knows for sure um, who is going to have an easy time of it and who is going to have a difficult time of it. And I so that, don't know exactly when we get it to no. know when we're contagious and start, you know, quarantining, isolating, you know, like if we've been exposed, quarantine. And this is, again, statements that I've heard made even by our state health director lately and getting the terms of isolation and quarantine incorrect. But we have a community yes. transmission rate of 35%. That means that we were unable to contact trace where that individual um, contracted the virus. Right. And and we don't we can never know when and in what circumstance the virus jumps from one person to another and so we don't know even what direction. I think a lot of people really want to know who gave this to me and who did I give it to. But public health really can't ever tell that. We can just associate cases with each other. Like, mm, well, you might have gotten it at the same place, you might have gotten it one from the other, and we don't know who got it from who. But um yeah, so when we have a 35% uh, community transmission rate, that means 35% of um, people who have new infection are not, don't, do not have an association with another known case. So that means that probably there's at least one more person out there that we don't know. We didn't identify them. We didn't ask them to, be, um, to stay at home. The other thing that's, you know, when we get into testing, we're going to talk a little bit about the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Um, and they, um, one of the things they're finding is because they're testing everybody twice a week, they are finding pretty much all their cases. And what they're discovering is there are a significant number of people who, when they are informed that they are infectious, or that they're a contact that many people, some people, I'm not going to say many, some people are choosing not to isolate or quarantine. And right. they're and I, beginning to be able to see how much of a problem that is. Yeah, I think we've seen that even here in Columbia, Missouri. I mean, the, the university has been pretty public about the fact that we've um, suspended or expelled students for breaking um, isolation rules. So. Right. So I want to go over really quickly. I know we want to talk about testing, but I do want to review that quarantine, like there are these two terms and they are not, um, they are not synonyms. They are different. So there's a distinction between quarantine and isolation when you're talking public health. Quarantine is for people who've been exposed. And so we, we, we need to, they need to be quarantined for the incubation period, which is the time between your exposure and the time you would become infectious. Um, and get sick. So you, the the, the um, incubation period for COVID-19 disease is two to 14 days. So any time, any moment between day two and day 14 after your exposure, you can go from being not contagious to being contagious. And then it's usually, if you develop symptoms, it's another two days after that before you even know. So that's why we want people to be um, quarantined for 14 days. 
And then if you, isolation is for people who are sick, who are uh, a case, who are infectious. We are, they are known to be infectious, so they tested positive. They're either symptomatic or asymptomatic, but they tested positive. And then that duration is 10 days from the onset of symptoms or from the positive test. And we've had this kind of kerfluffle in the state because our governor and first lady have report, have admitted, uh, publicized that they have turned positive, so they have both been infected. And then everybody assumed that they would uh, isolate for 14 days because everybody's thinking 14-day quarantine. But no, the once you're once you have turned positive, your restricted time is actually less than it was when you were just exposed. And that doesn't seem fair, but it's <laughs> public health isn't a punishment. This. This is a protection. And so the governor and the first lady staying 10 days out of the public is sufficient time, and they are not cheating, and they're not being um, irresponsible. They took their 10 days. And so we just need to be clear. And the press and even public health officials are mixing up those num- those thing- those terms, quarantine and isolation. And um, the reason why we in public health are picky about that is because um, there's an important distinction. So, but and in and in Boone County and in Missouri, quarantine and isolation are voluntary. There is no, um, there's no like we're not gonna, we are not imprisoning people for that. And I don't so, think that there's even a fine. Um, there is a fine actually. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, Carl Scala did um, point that out to me. Um, it can be up to a thousand dollars in imprisonment. Is actually um, the potential, which you know, in public okay. health, we don't typically advocate for either. But we want some right. type of restriction, right? Um, and you know, you mentioned Illinois, so I want to do a shout out to Ohio State. They have tested. They they have conducted ninety two thousand tests already since the school started of their population. And you know, I I just find it interesting because our university has said we don't have the resources to be testing students, and so we're only testing students upon um, symptoms or direct exposure, known um, exposure. So we have a high positivity rate. We know it's above what it needs to be. You know what are some of the solutions to get more people tested? And I think we as a community have to talk about that. Right. And I think um, one thing is that I'm going to do right now is to send the message that we no longer need people to be so careful and uh, thoughtful and uh, generous in their uh, stepping aside and letting other people be tested first. There were so Mm -hmm. many months where we did not have enough testing and we were telling people, I'm so sorry, you can't get tested for that. You can't get tested for that. So we, um, if people have any symptom, so you, you know, oh, I know I have allergies, and this is probably the cough that goes along with my allergies. I think it's legitimate to just go get tested to be sure. We, there are so much public information about, um, you know, here are the symptoms of COVID, and here's the symptoms of a cold, and here are the symptoms of an allergy. And I'm going to say we can't distinguish those things based on symptoms. The only way we can really distinguish it is a test, which is why there's so much interest in testing. So I think there are lots of things like, oh, well, my doctor said they wouldn't test me because my temperature was 100.4 and it has to be 100.5 to be a fever. And, you know, I, and I also have a cough and a shortness of breath, but it's not very bad. And they want me to get sicker before I get tested. And I am encouraging people to just go get tested. There are ways... 
to do that through the muhealth.org and through Boone Hospital's website where you can do an online and distance um, uh, interaction. Some of those are free, and I don't know exactly how that distinction is made. If you want to do that through my office, 443-7070, or you can fill out a form online and we will um, get you tested. I am going to say that I am not offering this as a free service to people who need it for um, airline travel. Um, because it, the the um, time pressure is just too stressful for me. But and I just want to say that airlines are requiring people to be COVID tested before you can fly on an airplane. So I'm just going to say once we said, yep, you're, if you're going to get um, – people are being tested if they are going to be admitted to a hospital even for a, um, a an elective procedure. People are being tested if they get on an airline. Once we get those things, clear- I think we – yeah, we had to stop weird saying there's a testing. Yeah, we see these weird re- weird requirements of when people are getting tested and when people aren't. And right. and I've had friends tell me, well, you know, I haven't been tested yet. And I, my my response is, why not at this point, right? Like we've right. had so many community opportunities that if we want to understand where community spread is, anybody who is gathering in public at this point for any reason, and, and I think that I'll push into the public school at this point. So we know that sports are happening, um, right? right? Cheer, band, football, and, and band is not happening fully. They don't get to compete. They don't get to play at the football games. Yet the football team is, con- you know, when we talk about high contact sports or touching each other, um, the tennis team is, you know, is competing. We have our volleyball team. Um, and so if people are gathering, wouldn't that be an opportunity for us to be testing? Yeah, I think that I know that a lot of people bristle at anything being required, but for me, extracurricular activities are optional, and we have in the past in some school districts, and I didn't agree with it then, but here I am being not totally, I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite, and I'm just going to own it. That it used to be that to participate in extracurricular activities, you had to keep your grades up a certain level. You had some places you had to submit to drug testing. Um, You have to be in full-time school. We have all of these requirements to participate in extracurricular activities. And I um, think that uh, getting tested on on a somewhat of a regular basis, once a week or once a month, would be a very reasonable thing to do. And I think that as Columbia Public Schools phases in their in-person schooling, which I think is what's going to happen, um, and they're going to start with the youngest kids, I think that it ought, it ought to be a requirement that at least once we do testing before people come back into the system. And I know it's just a one moment. It's just one moment in time, which is one of the thing, reasons I wish we could do it more often. But it does give us an idea of like, okay, and it does give us a snapshot of picture in time. The... Um, and then the question is which tests to be using and all of that. And I have had yes, some discussions the online. Of, I've had pushback. You know, it's not as accurate. So what do we do about that? So I don't know that, it, that that's true. In a little bit of reading I'm seeing, it has the same sensitivity, the one that's, that's been um, developed at Yale and then um, the University of Illinois has um, modified the procedure a little bit. Um, I am looking for the data right now. It seems to have this the best I can see, it has the same sensitivity. But even if it is less sensitive, and a less sensitive test means that it's more likely to give you a negative result even if you have the virus, 
which is not good. We do not want to give people a false sense of security. But the thing is, it's cheaper and it's easier. People are less concerned about spitting in a tube than getting a swab deep in their nose. It can be self-collected, so it does not require as much PPE and as much interaction, much staff interaction. Um, it does require some education. People have to learn how to do this. But um, it can be, it's cheaper and it can be done more often. So, you know, the, the question is like how sensitive should a test be? We are already doing very non-sensitive tests. We are taking people's temperatures when they go into certain places. We know that that misses most of the people who have this illness. We are asking people for their symptoms, knowing that 20% of people are asymptomatic. So we're already doing things, and I think that we don't consider those to be tests because they aren't sending a sample to the lab, but they are already non-sensitive tests. But you know what? They'll catch some. Right. You know, even and a leaky net catches something. Right. It's using resources to collect that data. To have somebody sitting at the door of a building checking temperatures right. is, is using resources, and so... I'm not aware of any saliva tests being done in Boone County. Are you? I am not. It's hard to imagine that it's not being done, but I am not uh, aware of it. Um, and it's my understanding that at uh, in uh, the University of Illinois, it, their vet school really stepped up to the plate, and they um, converted a lot of the capacity in their vet lab to doing these um, uh, special tests. And, and I'm really excited that it sounds like they are developing other technology that's going to perhaps be um, applicable to other high-volume test situations that we might need to do, um, where they're um, implementing robotics. They are um, heating the uh, samples to a temperature so that it kills the virus, so that it increases the safety of the lab personnel, uh, so that once they, so even before they open the tube, the virus is inactivated, so there's no risk to the person who opens the tube and process the specimen, which means that the whole thing can be done more quickly and more cheaply. And you mentioned earlier um, mandatory testing and how it makes you a little uncomfortable with the idea, but athletics are not mandatory. I would push back to say in-person school is not mandatory. CPS has provided an option for online schooling. And so if you choose to opt in to in-person schooling, you're making a non-mandatory decision. And so at that point, shouldn't we be testing people if they're going to physically be together in a pandemic, if they're going to opt into that? Um, I think that we can make a legitimate argument for that, especially if we move from the swab test, which I think some people find to be very unpleasant. I'm going to say I would rather have my nose swabbed than have my blood drawn or have my teeth cleaned, not saying anything bad about those things. (laughs) I'm just saying that it is a, it's a, it, I have been talking to parents who are saying, oh, I think it's going to be so traumatic to my kids. And I think these are the kinds of things that are traumatic to kids if it's traumatic to their parents. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that we, and many children get vaccinated to go to school, and we've got a big conversation about that too. And I think that a lot of people are just very uncomfortable with there not being an opt-out. And this, in this circumstance, in this time, there's an opt-out, and that is virtual schooling. And I know we just have two more minutes left, but I've definitely heard this pushback. It's just a snapshot in time, but we need that snapshot, do we not? I think so. I think that we are not getting enough snapshots in time, which, by the way, we need our poop data. You know, the the sewers are being tested, which 
streams are being tested. The scientists are testing that. They're gathering it. They're analyzing it. I don't know what's keeping us from having it, but we should. The other thing I want people to know is if you go on the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services website, you can find uh, community testing. It is ongoing. So there's one tomorrow in Willow Springs. There's one on the 30th in Rolla, uh, Versailles in October 1st, Springfield the 2nd. There is not another one in central Missouri. There's a Kirksville October the 12th. And any person who is a Missouri resident can sign up for those. The registration is open for all these events. You can uh, register, and then and they, they often want you to pick a time. And I'm just going to say I was late for mine, and nobody made a big deal of it. I'm not encouraging people <laughs> to be irresponsible. I think they just want to not have everybody show up all at the same time. So it, um, if you're like, oh, I'm going to be late, I guess I can't go. No, go in just see whether you can get, still get in. But um, So you can sign up online, and then... Um, yeah, you can get yourself tested. You do not and have to have symptoms. You don't have to have a doctor's order. It doesn't cost any money. I do want to say, Elizabeth, that Abrielle, my daughter, went to the community testing that the state was doing. Um, so I went to the Compass Health one. She went to the state one. She did have to swab herself. So she had okay. to stick the swab up her nose on her own. Um, but she could do it, she said. <laughs> and she said it. Yeah. she thought it might be more pleasant than when somebody else stuck it up there. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jenny, and we will be talking on Wednesday. Do you want to plug your uh, Wednesday show? Um, I don't know for sure, so I will talk to everybody, the listeners on Wednesday. Looking forward to it. So Your Health Matters Wednesday night, I, as I repeat, um, I mean, it's a new conversation with a former guest, Eric Martin, who's an emergency room physician and the urgent care physician in the southwest part of the state, who has also traveled to New York City and to uh, the Hopi Reservation and has some interesting perspectives on uh, being a physician in the COVID times. So thanks so much, Mallory. Thank you both for joining us today. That's it for today's edition of Community Pulse. If you missed part of this program or want to share it with your friends, you can find it later today at KOPN.org and also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Catch us again live on Wednesday at 9 a.m. with host Jenny Chadwick. Remember that we are in the midst of voting season. You can mail in your absentee or mail-in ballot or vote absentee in person at the Boone County Clerk Office at the Boone County Government Center, 801 East Walnut Street, room 236, 236, or make your plan for in-person voting on Election Day on November 3rd. And you can register to vote until October 7th. If you visit the county clerk office, you can register to vote and submit an absentee ballot with that one visit. More info at vote.boonmo.org. Or you can find our previous conversation with Boone County Clerk Brianna Lennon wherever you get your podcast. That was from last Monday, so it shouldn't be too deep in our feeds. Thank you so much for tuning in to KOPN 89.5 FM. Between the Lines is up next. Stay tuned.